Father, we thank you that today as we gather together, that we do not worship a God who changes with the wind or the tides or with opinions. But your word says that you are a God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Father, we thank you for that. And, and I, I ask you, Lord, that, that even as, as humans, as we approach you, Father, I pray for your grace and your mercy that even though we are not the same, you are the same. Father, we live in a culture and a society today that is changing on a daily basis. That every time we watch the news, we hear of some significant aspect of our society where change is happening, change is coming, and we don't know what that is, and we don't always know how to respond. But we know that there is a truth in that our God never changes. Father, I thank you that Jesus Christ is the rock of our salvation, that he's the foundation, he is the stone that the builders rejected. And Father, I pray today that we will sense that unmovable truth of who you are as we look into your word, as we have lifted our hearts in worship together. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it is so good to be with you here today as we worship the Lord together. And we're continuing our series on miracles. And I want to start with some statements. And I just want to kind of get uh, a little bit of feedback from you on how these particular uh, statements or phrases affect you, what you think of them. So don't be afraid to just shout out um, at your screen this morning. Uh, but let me read them to you. And I just, I just want to get your reaction to some of them and, and what you think of them or what you might call them. Uh, the first one is this, that it went over like a lead balloon. How about when someone says to you, I'll give you a definite maybe. Or when someone says, you know, the hospital is no place to be sick. How about when someone says, you know, if so-and-so were alive, they would be turning over in their grave. I love to hear when people go shopping and they say, you know, I, I paid too much for it, but it was worth it. Someone might say, you know, we need to spare no expense to save money. How about when somebody says, you know, spontaneity is, is wonderful as long as it's controlled. I love this one. You know, that wildfire is 90% under control. And, and one of my favorites, I think every parent has probably said this to their child. Maybe you're guilty of it. If you are, just raise your hand and identify yourself. But if you fall and break your leg, don't come running to me. There was a fairly well-known actor that I heard said this, I'm a deeply superficial person. Same kind of a statement. How about somebody that says, you know, I distinctly remember forgetting that. 
All of these statements really are what we would call oxymorons, but for today I want to simply identify them as contradictions. They, the statement within itself contradicts itself. And today I want to share a message called Contradiction, and I want us to look this morning into the scripture, and I want us to get a background about what's happening during this last miracle that we'll be looking at in our series. Jesus has taken Peter, James, and John to a high mountain, and while they are there, Jesus is transformed or transfigured, the Bible says, in front of the three disciples. The glory of God that, that dwelled within the person of Jesus came projecting through his human flesh in a way that they could see it. This was an encouragement to Jesus because he would soon be going to the cross. It was also a confirmation to the disciples that Jesus was indeed who he says he was. He was the Son of God, and they saw the glory of God coming through him. Well, after this experience was over, they come down off the mountain, and they are heading to join up with the rest of Jesus' disciples and as they are approaching where the disciples are, they realize that there is a large crowd and that as they get even closer, that this crowd is embroiled in an argument that's taking place between Jesus' remaining disciples and the teachers of the law. And our story is found in Mark chapter 9, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 16. It says, what are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son, who was possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. 
Jesus jumps into this conversation after he and Peter and James and John come off the mountain by asking a question, what are you arguing about? And he starts with a conversation that is more directed toward the crowd, but eventually that conversation quickly boils down to a one-on-one conversation that Jesus has with this father who has brought his son. And during that conversation, we see three statements that I'd like to focus on today. Statement number one is this, if you can. This father brought his son to Jesus so that he could be delivered of this demonic spirit. The son was possessed by that spirit. The spirit kept him from speaking. It would seize him or literally take control of his body. And it would throw him to the ground. It would cause him to foam at the mouth, to gnash his teeth, and his body would become rigid. Jesus asked the father, how long has he been like this? Dad simply said, since childhood. So we realize that this son is no longer a child. So he's got to be somewhere older than that. In fact, the Greek word for, for childhood, it, it's, it, it's the form of the word infancy. So this might have even been something that that had gone back as far as infancy for this son. So it's been going on for a significant period of time. And unlike last week when we studied the woman with the bleeding disorder, we don't see any mention of doctors. We don't see any mention of uh, checking with other possible remedies because this is a spiritual issue. So the father brought his son to Jesus to be delivered, but Jesus was with his executive team and they were out at a conference at the time he showed up. Jesus comes in after the discussion has already begun. The disciples have been unable to drive out that spirit. This evil spirit had oftentimes attempted to kill the son. By throwing him into the fire or into the water to somehow take his life, to kill him. And the statement that the father makes is, if you can do anything, please help him. I want you to notice that this is a statement and not a question. He doesn't ask it, there is, there's no question mark at the end of it in the text. It is a statement, but yet in the statement it sounds as if this man is questioning whether or not Jesus actually possesses the power to heal this boy. Now I want to pause for just a moment and just fill in some of the background here. In the Old Testament we read, that one of the angels in heaven named Lucifer rebelled against God, believed that he was equal with God. And the Bible says that there was a war in heaven and that Satan was defeated and that he was cast out of heaven and that one-third of all the angels in heaven decided that they were going to follow Lucifer. They were cast down to the earth and there purpose, their desire, their goal is to thwart the purposes of God 
here on earth. And we read in Scripture that God has given Jesus authority over these demonic powers. Let me read to you what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 19. We're going to pick up the last part of that verse. And it says, That power is the same as the mighty strength which he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at, the, at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. This scripture that Paul uh, provides for us is talking about Jesus. And God has given Jesus authority over every demonic spirit. And when we see Jesus encountering demonic spirits in the Gospels, he always demonstrates that authority over them. And we see that Jesus then passed on that authority to the disciples and also as well to the believers that would follow. You might wonder today, how far does God's authority really extend over the circumstances of your life, over the miracle that you need? Does God's authority really extend that far into my life, into my circumstances? Does God have the power to bring about the miracle that I need in my life? This father brought his son to be healed, to be delivered by Jesus. He demonstrates a measure of faith in Jesus' power, in Jesus' ability. And yet he verbalizes this statement of, if you can. And I think that this statement is very much a contradiction. If you can. He has come to Jesus, he's demonstrated faith, and yet he says, if you can. Maybe you find yourself in a very similar position of contradiction. In many ways, you have stepped out toward God. You've tuned in this morning, you are watching church online, and yet you still wonder, does God possess the power to bring about a miracle in my life. I want you to know that I believe today that you are, this is a divine appointment, that God wants to speak hope, that God wants to speak life to you today, letting you know that Jesus has authority over every problem that you've ever faced. Everything that you ever have dealt with in your life, every circumstance, every need, Jesus has authority. And even though you are in a place that feels like a contradiction, He is there. And that leads us to statement number two, everything is possible. In this conversation, Jesus really takes exception to the statement. 
Now, I'm sure Jesus didn't get angry, but I would have loved to have been there to hear the inflection in his voice as he repeats this statement, if you can, but he turns it into a question. If you can, that shows this exception that Jesus is taking. Because in Jesus' ministry, we read in Scripture four other times where he encountered evil spirits. And each time he took authority over those evil spirits. I wonder if he's thinking to himself, how many times do we have to go through this before people will begin, and especially my leadership team, be able to believe that, that I have been given authority. But he turns the table by saying, everything is possible for him who believes. So the man has said, if you can, Jesus, please have mercy on us. If you can help us, please take mercy on us. Heal my son. And Jesus turns the table. Everything is possible for him who believes. And now Jesus takes and puts the ball back in this man's court. You know, this is not a question about whether or not Jesus possesses the power or the ability to heal the man's son, but whether the father has the faith to believe that Jesus could and would indeed heal his son. I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 21, in verse 22, where he says, If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now, I believe that that word believe is not a simple mental assent. Oh, yes, I believe. The scripture says that even the demons believe in God. They believe in Jesus and his power. James chapter 2 and verse 19 says this. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. I believe that where Jesus was taking this man was, do you believe that I can do the impossible, what you deem to be impossible for your son? I ran across a great article this week by Pastor Chuck Swindoll where he talked about the seven impossible things that Jesus did during his ministry. I just want to share those with you because I really thought they were very encouraging. The first impossible thing that Jesus did was demonstrate his power over quality. When Jesus turned the water into wine at the wedding of Cana, Jesus didn't just take that water and make it like the rest of the wine was, but he literally made it to such a high quality that the one who was the governor over the feast, the leader of the celebration, brought the bridegroom in and said, how come you've saved the best for last? Jesus turned that water into the best wine that they had for that celebration. He demonstrated his power over quality. We see that Jesus demonstrated power over distance. In one occasion, 
a leader came to Jesus looking for healing for his child, and Jesus said, your child will be healed and is healed, and Jesus was 20 miles from where that individual was. Jesus demonstrated his power over distance. He also demonstrated his power over time. When he healed the man that had been, uh, had been crippled for, for a period of 38 years, waiting to be healed at the pool of Siloam, waiting to be healed there when the angel would trouble the water, and, and Jesus healed that man even though he had been in that state for a period of 30 years. These are things that people thought would be impossible. Jesus demonstrated this impossible power over nature when he calmed the storm, when he literally said, peace be still, and the waves and the wind immediately subsided. Jesus demonstrated his impossible power over misfortune when he healed the man that had been born blind from birth. And he demonstrated the impossible power over death when he raised Lazarus from the dead. So I want you to know today that no matter what you are facing, no matter how impossible it may seem, no matter how far out of your box it appears, that Jesus has been given and indeed has exerted authority over that thing. No matter what it is, no matter how impossible, Jesus has authority over it. Which brings us to statement number three, where the father said this, help my unbelief. I want you to think what was happening at this moment. His son is rolling around on the ground. He's foaming at the mouth. And the man has just heard Jesus say that everything is possible for him who believes. He's brought his son specifically to be, to, to, to be before Jesus, and here they are. His son is on the ground. He is manifesting this demonic spirit, and Jesus puts it back on him. Everything is possible for him who believes, and the Bible says that he suddenly exclaims, I do believe. But then immediately, immediately after that statement, he says something that is a total contradiction. Help me overcome my unbelief. This is a, a, the ultimate contradiction. And I think that this is a place where often you and I can be. We have come to Jesus. We desire the, the, the power of the, the Holy Spirit to bring a miracle into our lives. And we say, I believe, but help my unbelief. And because it's a contradiction, we don't feel worthy. We don't feel like we measure up. I want to read from Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 17. Ah, sovereign Lord. <clears throat> You have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your uh, and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard 
for you. I want to tell you a brief story about one of my favorite people in history. His name is George Mueller. George Mueller was a self-described liar, a thief, and a playboy. He found himself at the age of 16 in prison. God dramatically saved him. He became a missionary to the street orphans in England during the 19th century. George made up his mind that he was going to depend on God to meet all the needs in his life and in his ministry, which meant that he was never again going to approach anyone else about the needs in his life or in his ministry. He would take it straight to God. So instead of seeking for donations which people, of course, in society are much, they're, they're very quick to give to help children. He was going to take those needs directly to God. During his ministry, he built five orphan houses. And in those orphanages, they cared for over 10,000 orphans. During his ministry, he started 117 schools, which educated over 120,000 young people as students. One morning, the story is told that George was informed that there was no food for breakfast for the 300 children that were at the orphanage at that time. Mueller instructed the house mother to have the children be seated for breakfast. Mueller prayed, and he thanked God for the food that they were about to eat. And then they waited. They waited for God to provide. Within a few moments, a knock came at the door. It was the local baker who was very excited and said to him, I could not sleep last night. I just knew that you were going to need bread this morning. And so I got up and I began to bake and I baked three batches of bread for you. And he brought those in and gave them to the orphanage. I can imagine the rejoicing that was taking place that God had provided bread when moments later a second knock at the door came. This time, it was a milkman. His wheel on his cart had broken down on the street right in front of the orphanage. And by the time that repair could be made to that wheel so that he could be on his way, that milk would have all spoiled. And so the milkman asked Mueller, could you use some milk? And he gave him ten large cans of milk that day, which was enough for the breakfast for those 300 orphans. Everything is possible for him who believes. So let me ask you this question. Are you facing an impossible situation? An impossible situation is one that's incapable of being done. It's incapable of being attained or fulfilled. 
Maybe it's an obstacle that you feel is impassable. Maybe it's a situation that has become totally intolerable. Maybe it's a grief that is inconsolable. Maybe it's an illness that's incurable. Maybe it's a need that is so great that it's incalculable. Maybe it's a relationship that no matter how hard you've worked at it, it's just irreconcilable. Maybe there's a problem that you've racked your brain about over and over again, but it just seems to be incomprehensible. Maybe it's an opportunity that you want to have to break through into, but it's impenetrable. Maybe it's a mystery that you have tried to figure out and it's unfathomable. Don't worry if today you feel like you come to God as a contradiction. I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe that one of the best things that this father did was to speak it out. Because I believe that there is power when we speak it out, even when it feels like a contradiction. Father, I believe, but help my unbelief. You may feel that because you're a contradiction, that somehow you don't deserve to stand there to be before Jesus. But I want you to know that no matter what it is you come with, whatever need it is, no matter how insurmountable it may be, Jesus has authority over it. As we close this morning, in just a moment, I want to pray with you. But I want to put our hearts in a position where we can really receive from God. So we're going to worship the Lord together again for just a moment. And then I'm going to close us in prayer. And as we worship, I just want you to even, no matter where you are, stand to your feet and close your eyes and shut yourself in with God. And I want you to begin to speak that contradiction to the Lord because I believe that Jesus has authority over whatever your circumstance is. But let's shut ourselves in, let's worship him, and then I'll close in prayer in just a moment. Father, I pray that the Spirit of the living God would rest upon those right now who are in desperate need of a miracle and they feel like a contradiction. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hands up toward heaven. I just want you to close your eyes and I want you to just begin to say, God, I am that contradiction. I believe, but help my unbelief. 
God, bring healing into my life. Bring the miraculous into my life to meet that need which seems to be insurmountable, to, to heal that relationship that seems to be irreconcilable. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, I pray take authority, Father, over these circumstances in the lives of those who stand with their hands raised right now. And Father, I pray, I pray that as they declare their contradiction, I believe but help my unbelief that the authority of Jesus would come upon that circumstance, come upon that situation, and move in miracle working power, I pray. And Father, in the days to come, may we hear testimonies that God has brought a miracle into my life, into my family, into my circumstance, into my relationship, into my finances. Father, I pray this in the powerful, miraculous, wonder-working name of Jesus Christ. Amen.